Returning Mutineers, it's Labor and Love, and of course, it's Aretha. Franklin laid herself down. What are we going to do without her?
Aretha Franklin, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. What do we got for you today on Labor and Love Radio? Well, let's play one more. Aretha Franklin, maybe some things you never knew about Aretha Franklin today on Labor and Love Radio. What else have we got? Problems at Tesla. Elon Musk says he could do it all, huh? He could fix everything. Well, his workers are not very happy. Working class history, a whole catalog of labor actions all over the world, past, present, and yes, future. The church, again, another bunch of damning testaments on the church in Pennsylvania. Like I said, things about Aretha Franklin you might not know, including something by Angela Davis. Aretha Franklin offering to bail Angela Davis out. As usual, we got our regular radio labor. Enjoy the weekend from UESF because they're coming after you guys, union members. They're going to be ringing your doorbell to try to talk you out of your union membership. And why? Well, we'll figure that out, too. And finally, schools open in Puerto Rico. Total chaos. 250 schools have been closed. I want to play one more song here. And this is a contemporary of Aretha Franklin. Nina Simone, Mississippi, God damn. had some request for it. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi gone down. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi gone down. Can't you see it? I know you can feel it. It's all in the air. I can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. Alabama's got me so upset and Governor Wallace has made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi gone down. School children sitting in jail Black cat crossed my path I think every day is gonna be my last Lord have mercy on the land of mine We all gonna get it 
Okay, there you have it. Ina Simone putting an exclamation point on those two uh, Aretha Franklin songs. And um, Aretha Franklin, what is it that artists do? Uh, Why do I, a white man in my 70s, why was I driving down the street weeping? It still touches me to, to weep at the death of someone like Aretha Franklin. And um, Ernest Hemingway, in one of his less bombastic pronouncements, after he'd knocked out Turgenev or something, uh, Ernest Hemingway said that what artists do is they their work becomes part of your experience 
experience. So the work of someone like Aretha Franklin, who in a lot of ways is totally unlike me, her work became part of my experience. Her work and her voice became the soundtrack for big parts of my life. For example, living in Berkeley in a house that was owned by a church and uh, all the times we had in the late 60s and early 70s um, being part of that world and part of that world was Aretha Franklin's voice student teaching in uh, Marin City uh, Aretha Franklin's voice respect all the kids knew how to spell respect because of Aretha Franklin, and they knew what it meant, thanks to Aretha Franklin and Otis Redding, who wrote the song. So Aretha Franklin, people like her become part of the landscape of your life, part of the, in her case, the soundtrack, but not only the sound, the spirit of your life. And when someone like that dies, it takes part of that that life that you've stored in your memory, it takes it away. It's like taking a piece of in a game called Jenga and part of it falls down. So so I weep, you weep for Aretha Franklin. What we got now is Angela Davis. Uh, talking about uh, something you might not know about Aretha Franklin. This is from uh, Democracy Now! Just this week. Let's see if we can get it up for you. Aretha Franklin offered to post bail for Angela Davis, who was jailed on trumped-up charges. And I want to read from a Jet magazine article from December 3rd, 1970. It's headline, Aretha says she'll go Angela's bond if permitted. In it, Aretha Franklin is quoted saying, my daddy says, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I respect him, of course, but I'm going to stick by my beliefs. Angela Davis must go free. Black people will be free. I've been locked up for disturbing the peace in Detroit, and I know you got to disturb the peace when you can't get no peace. Jail is hell to be in. I'm going to see her free if there's any justice in our courts, not because I believe in communism, but because she's a black woman and she wants freedom for black people. I have the money. I got it from black people. They made me financially able to have it, and I want to use it in ways that will help our people. Those are the words of Aretha Franklin. She's talking about Professor Angela Davis, who joins us now from Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Professor Davis, Angela, welcome to Democracy Now! Thank you, Amy. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. Can you talk about your thoughts on this day, uh, the day after we learn of the death of Aretha Franklin and what she meant to you? Well, of course, this is a very sad day for people all over the country. Um, Aretha was um, an integral part of many people's lives, including my own, and not only because uh, she 
made a public statement indicating that she would uh, uh, pay my bail back in 1970. Uh, but perhaps I'll say a few words about that uh, to begin. Um, when Aretha decided to hold the press conference announcing that she would pay um, up to $250,000, which um, in today's currency would be uh, probably about a million and a half dollars. It was really a high point in the campaign. Uh, and I, I, I believe that um, many people who may have been reluctant to associate themselves with me because of my communist affiliations probably joined the campaign as a result of uh, Aretha's statement. Uh, uh, when I was... Um, actually, um, when I actually became eligible for bail, um, unfortunately, Aretha was out of the country. She was in the Caribbean. And during those days, prior to the emergence of global capitalism, money did not flow so easily across national borders. Uh, and therefore... Uh, a white farmer um, from uh, Central California who agreed to uh, put up his uh, farm. Uh, but that was such um, a, a moving moment. It was a, it was a moment um, in which uh, the uh, campaign for my freedom achieved a really popular status among people in this country and probably throughout the world as well. I will be forever grateful uh, to Aretha because I think she played uh, such an integral role in uh, the success of, of, of the campaign. Now, you never actually met Aretha Franklin, did you? I well, I, 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 I feel as if I met her, but I, because uh, she, I, I feel she's a part of my history, uh, and, and, and her music was uh, uh, so much a part of, and, and continues to be so much a part of my, my own individual life, as well as my collective lives. Uh, but I never actually uh, um, met her in person. Can you explain the circumstances at that time, uh, what was happening to you, um, which also talks about who Aretha Franklin is, that she came out so strongly and so interestingly talked about the fact that she was thrown in the can, she was jailed in her own home city of Detroit? Yes, absolutely. As you pointed out, uh, she said she had already been jailed for disturbing the peace. <laughs> and it seems as if she uh, realized that uh, it might be necessary to disturb the peace a bit further. Um, but of course, um, the fact that I was a member of the Communist Party at that time uh, made many people reluctant uh, to offer public support because they um, they thought they might be um, associated with communism and, and thus might be placing their own lives uh, in jeopardy. I was charged with murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy, three um, capital charges. Uh, and at the time uh, when Aretha made this statement, I was actually not eligible uh, for bail because capital offenses were not bailable. Uh, uh, as it turned out, 
the Supreme Court of California um, abolished, at least temporarily, the death penalty in California, which meant that um, for a short while I was um, eligible uh, for bail. I'm one of the few people who uh, were actually released uh, 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 because uh, within um, within a few days, the Supreme Court amended its decision by indicating that all previously capital offenses would remain um, non-bailable. And you were held here in New York, right, not far from the studios of Democracy Now! And, and uh, California was seeking your extradition. You were, uh, uh, you were pending extradition to San Rafael, California. Well, actually, yes, I had been in jail at the Women's House of Detention in Greenwich Village uh, in, in in New York, but I had at that time already been extradited. Uh, uh, I was in um, um, I was in a jail in. In, in, in Palo Alto, I had been extra, it's a long story, I had been extradited to Marin County, and then we we uh, got a change of venue to Santa Clara County. So when I was actually released on bail, it was from uh, the jail in um, Palo Alto. <laughs> We're going to talk more about her involvement in the civil rights movement in front of the scenes and behind the scenes, and her just remarkable music and contribution, as uh, many have called her, as Mark Anthony Neal said. Um, Aretha Franklin, arguably the greatest American singer of the 20th century. We're talking to Angela Davis, uh, Mark Anthony Neal, head of African-American and African Studies at Duke University, and also Farrah Jasmine Griffin of Columbia University. Stay with us. Okay, that was uh, Amy Goodman from uh, Democracy Now! talking with Angela Davis about uh, Aretha Franklin and her, her active role in the uh, Black Liberation Movement. Another thing that probably is not very 
well known about Aretha Franklin is she had children. She had children, one daughter when she was 12 years old, another when she was 14, something she never really talked about. Uh, she was abused, she was raped, who knows? Someone else will have to uh, answer that one. This is Labor and Love, where we tell you how it is. We tell you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. We remind you that if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And... Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay. Here's Woody Guthrie. Reminder. You gotta join that one big union. You've got to join it by yourself Everybody here will join it with you You've got to join the one big union by yourself If that road gets rough and rocky And the hills get steep and high We will sing as we go marching And we'll win one big union by and by Brothers gotta join that one big union Brothers gotta join it by himself Everybody here will join it with him Brothers gotta join the one big union by himself Sisters gotta join that one big union. Sisters gotta join it by herself. Everybody here will join it with her. Sisters gotta join the one big union by herself. Everybody gotta join that one big union. Everybody gotta join it by themselves. Everybody here will join it with them. Yes. Everybody join one big union by themselves. I'm gonna join that one big union. I'm gonna join it by myself. 
Don't want nobody to join it for me I'm gonna join one big union by myself I'm gonna join that one big union Yes, I am I'm gonna join it by myself Don't want nobody to join it for me I'm gonna join one big union by myself Woody Guthrie there with one big union. I'm looking for the Waco Boys. Waco Boys have a union song here. Mm. Why am I playing this right after I talk about Aretha Franklin and Angela Davis? After I give you my labor and love spiel. Because this is the way out. This is the way out of our dilemma. The dilemma of Trump, the dilemma of capitalism, the dilemma of privatization, the dilemma of the rape of the earth. This is the way out to unite under the auspices of a union or whatever. This is... Uh, this is the way out, to join together and resist. Um, all right. So, talked about Angela Davis. We've talked about Aretha Franklin. Let's talk about Tesla, Elon Musk. This guy was sold to us as a whiz kid, a guy who's going to revolutionize auto manufacturing with his Tesla cars. And the problem is that, like a lot of these brand new capitalists, Steve Jobs among them, for example, Jobs was involved in suppressing wages and making and uniting with CEOs in Silicon Valley to not hire away each other's uh, employees, agreeing not to offer wages for employees who would change, not offering better wages. Anyway, here's the story. Tesla, it's a headline, it's on The Verge. Tesla allegedly covered up drug trafficking and spied on employees at the Gigafactory whistleblower says <clears throat> a former in-house security team member files the second SEC whistleblower complaint of the summer. A former member of Tesla's in-house security team has told the Securities and Exchange Commission that the company silenced internal investigations into alleged criminal activity at the Gigafactory in Nevada according to a summary of his formal complaint. Those investigations focused on claims of massive theft and substantial drug trafficking. The complaint also includes allegations that Tesla spied on employees' electronic devices. This is the second 
whistleblower complaint from a former Tesla employee filed with the SEC this summer. Carl Hansen, the former employee, claims that Tesla was told in May by the Drug Enforcement Administration and the Story County Sheriff's Office Task Force that a Tesla employee may be a participant in a narcotics trafficking ring involving the sale of significant quantities of cocaine and possibly crystal meth at the Gigafactory on behalf of a Mexican drug cartel. A DEA spokesman told BuzzFeed that the DEA does not notify, notify non-law enforcement entities of ongoing or pending investigations, implying that he hadn't told Tesla. Hansen says that by June he had corroborated connections between a certain Tesla employee and various members of a Mexican drug cartel. He urged Tesla to disclose his findings to law enforcement, enforcement. but Hansen says the company refused and was informed that Tesla planned to see use outside vendors to follow up on the claims. 37 million dollars of copper and raw materials were stolen from the factory, but the company ins report the thefts to outside law employment. Now why would they do this? Why would a company like Tesla not want this to be investigated by outside people? Well, two words: stock price, okay? Investors see this stuff happening at a place called Tesla or places like it, and immediately they figure there's going to be trouble ahead, so they sell their stock. Furthermore, Tesla allegedly engaged in unauthorized surveillance of its employees, according to the summary of Hansen's complaint published today by Meisner. Hansen claims that Tesla installed specialized router equipment within its Nevada Gigafactory designed to capture employees' cell phone communications and or retrieve employee cell phone data after Tripp was fired. Tripp is the guy who was involved. Uh, Former Tesla employee Elon Musk claimed was responsible for sabotage inside the factory. Tripp says, I never expected that my employment with such a major public company would lead to uncovering such issues. Hansen says, I'm disturbed by Tesla's highly unusual response to those like me who investigated them. I'm also very disturbed by Tesla's failure to respect the privacy of its own employees. It's notable that Hansen and Tripp chose instead to file formal complaints with the SEC. Tesla is under increased scrutiny from the commission as of late the SEC previously investigated Tesla over potential false statements about the Model 3, the car, 
but decided against any actions. So, the new capitalists, the whiz kids, people who are going to change everything. Same old sidewalk. Same old stuff. Let's listen a little to some... uh, African electronic music. Francis Bebe, African Electronic Music. Okay, well, here they are, the Waco Boys, Waco Brothers, pardon me, Waco Brothers, Plenty Tough Union Made. got changed, plenty tough on union made, plenty tough on union made, one long struggle day by day, that's how we got to be this way, plenty tough on union made, risked a lot to live like humans, locked up, beaten and defamed, 
Though I said it was gonna be easy Plenty tough on Union Bay Cowards cringe and the traders sneer Like the class won't ever happen here And don't forget as the future fades Plenty tough on Union Bay Together, plenty tough and union made. Divided we fall, united we stand. Plenty tough and union made. So working woman and a working man. Plenty tough and union made. We're not waiting for judgment day. Plenty tough and union made. 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 One long struggle day by day. Thank you, that's the uh, sort of Woody Guffrey version of that song. Yeah. 
Okay, one more union song. Um, That was Hazel Dickens, of course. Here's Utah. Pardon me. No, no, we don't want to hear Hazel again. Great as she is. I'm looking for Utah. You, Utah Phillips. And... There it is. There is power in the Union. Joe Hill's best song. Well, we almost missed a damn thing. Chorus is, there is power, there is power in a band of working folks. When we stand hand in hand, that's a power, that's a power that must rule in every land. One industrial union grand. I'll teach you the chorus. There is power, there is power in a band of working folks. When we stand hand in hand, that's a power. Oh, would you have freedom from wage slavery and come join the grand industrial band? Oh, would you from misery and hunger be free? Come on, do you share land and there is power, there is power in a band working folks when we stand hand in hand. That's the power, that's the power that must rule in every land. One in the in heaven to fly and start here with a rag on your back but there is power there is power in a band working folks when we stand hand in hand that's the power that's the power that must rule in every land one industrial union grand oh if you like sluggers to feed in your head don't organize all unions If you want nothing before you are dead, shake hands with your boss and look wise. But there is power, there is power in band working folks when we stand hand in hand. That's the power, that's the power that must rule in every land, one industrial union grand. So come all ye workers from every land. And come join the grand industrial band. But then we our share of this earth shall demand. Come on, do your share, lend a hand. There is power, there is power in a band of working folks. When we stand hand in hand. That's the power, that's the power that must rule in every land. One industrial
Joe Hill's Joe Hill's best song, Utah was going to say. That set, we had you, Utah Phillips, Labor's minstrel who died not long ago, who never stopped taking the message of unionism. And for people who complain about unions, that they're just like mob bosses, get in a union. Get in a union, stand up and make your voice felt. Hazel Dickens before that, Hazel Dickens singing The Rebel Girl, another Joe Hill song. Joe Hill was writing at that point about uh, IWW, IWW um, organizers fighting fighting for with a rebel girl. Okay. And before that, the Waco Brothers, plenty tough union made. Um, they claim it's a Woody Guthrie song, their version of it. We're going to have to play more of them uh, as the time goes by. Let's switch now. Mm. Let's switch to this one. Allegations of abuse keep coming against priests. And uh, what does this have to do with work, right? Well, for a long time, for time immemorial, it seems like the church and priests together have assumed that molesting little boys, sticking your finger up their butts, whatever it is, sexual molestation of boys, raping them, is part of the job. That's one of the perks of being a priest. The church is a criminal enterprise. This is on Democracy Now! Former priest and survival speak out on Pennsylvania Catholic sex abuse. Let's listen to a little of this. Kind of hard to listen to. With Nermin Sheikh. We'll continue to, to look at the shocking new Pennsylvania grand jury report that has revealed how more than 300 Catholic priests sexually abused a thousand children and possibly thousands more over second dec- seven decades, and that the church leadership covered up the abuse. We're joined now by two guests. Sean Doherty is with us. He was molested by a priest from Altoona Johnstown Diocese in Pennsylvania for three years, starting when he was 10 years old. The priest responsible, George Kocharczyk has been defrocked, even though the FBI determined he was a child predator. The priest cannot be tried as such because of expired statute of limitations. Uh, Sean Doherty's story was one of many included in the grand jury report released on Tuesday. Bob Hotzen is also with us, a former Catholic priest, co-founder and president of Road to Recovery, which assists victims of sexual abuse. We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Sean, we saw you in the clip released by the Pennsylvania Attorney General. Um, talk about what happened to you, how old you were, and um, when you blew the whistle or told anyone. Uh, in beginning in fifth grade, uh, my priest, my religion teacher, my peewee basketball coach was Father George Goharchik, uh, a well 
loved uh, young priest in our community um, who had been grooming me for years of getting used to him handling me physically, touching me, having him close to me. And in the fifth grade, that touching progressed to sexual assault. Uh, George Karchik, uh to this day, I believe he must have, um, it, my belief is that he has a personal infatuation with male genitalia. I, I believe from the patterns and the things that he did throughout the three years, I believe he was testing us to see, he wanted to know the exact day that we were gonna be sexually mature, in, in my opinion. And that progressed to a one-time digital penetration uh, in a shower uh, in when I was 13. Uh, I did not like that experience at all, um, and I gave him a look in the shower and surprisingly uh, it ended for me that day in the shower. Uh, unfortunately for my, some of my friends it, it continued for them. Do you know how many people uh, were involved? How many children? He, he admitted to the Altoona Johnstown Grand Jury to being close to 12 boys. I imagine it's a much bigger number than that. And when did he admit this? Uh, the report was released in March of 2016 by then Attorney General Kathleen Kane of Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, on pages 66 and 67 of that, my name is a redacted name. And at some point over the course of that grand jury investigation lead up to that rollout, he, he admitted to that. And it's, it's, on the, it's in the report. What did the church know? of what he was doing. He not only groomed Here's you, the fun part. he groomed your parents as well, playing, going bowling not with them. Not just mine. Not just my parents. He groomed the entire community. I, since becoming public, after the report came out, I, reading that, I decided I, I can't stay silent. Well, what drew me out was a um, newspaper article with him on the front page. Two people had gone to the Bishop of Altoona Johnstown Diocese in 2012 uh, to call him out. Six years ago. Those two same brothers went to the then Monsignor in 1983 about Father Karchik in my eighth grade year. Uh, reported Decades it, ago. confirmed it. Monsignor went then to Bishop Hogan covered it up and this is first-hand experience by one of the brothers I'm very I grew up with these guys Bishop and now Hogan, I know the Bishop, Bishop Hogan, of Altoona Johnstown years ago made an arrangement a financial we need to protect the church we need to protect the reputation we need to protect your kids we need to keep it quiet and they agreed to transfer him it took them six months they didn't tell anybody they permitted I grew up a block from the school it was in my eighth grade year they didn't tell anybody um, they allowed me and three of my friends in the rectory, in his private space, to pack his belongings. The entire top shelf of his book was all medical journals on male genitalia, right? We got in the car, drove to Portage, Pennsylvania, to the new school and to the new rectory that he was assigned to, and we spent the night in the, in the rectory, and he had just been transferred for sexually abusing two boys. What happens when a priest is caught, what, embezzling? They're in jail. <laughs> Immediately. You can't steal from the church. The church steals from you. It's not a two-way street. That is not a two-way street with the church. Money flows one direction. Yeah, and when if a you priest steals them, the life of a child, the dignity of a child.
the church Part protects. of me feels that there is a, I mean, I can't say, Bob could probably speak more to this when he comes on, is that I, I have to say that there has to be a, a part of the church that feels that that is their benevolent right of some kind. It, 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 I, really, I, I really just, it's starting to seem like there is a percentage of the church that feels like it is their divine right to, to do this. It, it, it is so systemically huge. You mentioned earlier, and, and forgive me for asking, what um, exactly digital penetration is? Uh, he st stuck his finger in my anus in the shower when I was 13 years old. I believe he was testing to see if I would go further. Could you talk about also the uh, issue of the statute of limitations and what that means uh, for survivors like yourself? When I was a child and I was faced with this, my statutes of limitation only permitted me to talk and press charges until I was 15 years old. I had two years past the end of the, end of the last assault, so I was not legally old enough to drive a car in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, yet I had to come forward and tell my parents and the community that the guy that they bull with every Thursday night is raping the kids. Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro emphasized how the Catholic Church delayed taking action on reports of priests engaged in child sexual abuse in order to prevent criminal charges from being filed. The pattern was abuse, deny, and cover up. The effect not only victimized children, it served a legal purpose that church officials manipulated for their advantage. The longer they covered it up, the less chance law enforcement could prosecute these predators because the statute of limitations would run. As a direct consequence of the systematic cover-up by senior church officials, almost every instance of child sexual abuse we found is too old to be prosecuted. That's Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro. I want to bring a former priest into this conversation. That's right, Bob Hotson, former Catholic priest, president of Road to Recovery. Talk about being in the church when you were a priest and blowing the whistle. Well, I was, for, I was 40 years an insider in this church. I was 23 years in the religious life and 14 as a priest. Uh, so I saw it from the inside. I was sexually abused by three different men in the religious life. And I knew what was going on on the inside. And it was just abject corruption from the get-go. Um, this church is a criminal enterprise. That, that, that actually covers up the massive sexual abuse of children for centuries. Well, Bob, could you explain, uh, respond to what Sean said earlier? I mean, you were sexually abused by three uh, different men. They were all priests. Is that correct? They were religious brothers, actually. And what does that mean? A religious brother uh, is someone who um, is, lives in community, uh, but it does not have the ability to say mass, etc. They, they do more social kinds of works, like education, hospital work, etc. And what happened to you? Well, if the day I stepped into the religious life at the age of 18, after having graduated from high school as the top senior of my class, this person said to me, this superior said to me, Bob, you're a cold person. I'm going to have to warm you up. He continued that mantra on for the entire year until the second superior I had in the novitiate 
which is the most important year of formation because that's where you learn the spiritual life. Well, that superior sexually abused me. And then when I reported it to another superior, he told me that, yes, I was preyed upon, but that night he crept into bed and sexually assaulted me in the same way that I had described to him several hours previously. So do you agree uh, with what uh, Sean suggested, that uh, part of the Church uh, is their belief that they have some kind of benevolent right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, w what this is, is a massive abuse of power. And then it's exhibited in, in the sexual abuse of not just children, but teenagers and vulnerable adults as well. And it's also part of the reason why financial uh, crimes are committed within the church. Uh, so every aspect of, of dysfunction is exhibited because of the abuse of power. So talk about when you came forward in a big... That's on uh, Democracy Now!, a sad, sad story. Um, abuse, part of the job. Um, can't say much about it. What can you say? Young children always the most vulnerable of all of us, and priests taking advantage of them. Tell the priest that you were abused. That night he gets into bed with you and continues the abuse. All right. This is the lava. Se alerta ese vato, no se vaya al rol Porque va a empezar al rato el piano del cantón Porque va a empezar al rato el marihuana boogie boy Se llama Juana, 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 Juana. Pero ya todos los vatos le dicen marihuana. Mari, marihuana, como te quiero yo. Ese buggy me siento volador. Pégale bute esas teclas, ya estoy aviador. Pégale bute esas teclas, que ya estoy volador. 
Okay, Lalo Guerrero. <clears throat> what is the marijuana boogie song you've heard on this show? Probably several times, but maybe not recently. The marijuana boogie. Okay, Radio Labor. New World Bank rules. This is for people who work at the World Bank and also, significantly enough, for all World Bank projects. The World Bank has agreed to basic rights for its workers and for the people who work on its projects. Somehow, uh, it's hard to, under hard to imagine that this would be enforced in places like, uh, oh, let's say Qatar, where where they're building a uh, several, actually, soccer stadiums in advance of the 2022 World's Cup, where some people have reported that thousands of workers have died from overwork and heat and lack of decent uh, nutrition, etc., at any rate, here are the New World Bank rules. This is from Radio Labor. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. Hello, I'm Mark Belanger. The World Bank has announced that all of its projects will have to comply with a new set of rules aimed at improving working conditions and supporting trade unions. The bank is a development agency which provides more than $30 billion for capital projects such as infrastructure and social services. It works mainly in developing countries. The new set of rules, called a safeguard in World Bank parlance, will have a significant effect for employers and workers. To find out more about the new rules, I talked to Leo Bonnock. Mr. Bonnock is a research officer with the Office of the International Trade Union Confederation and Global Unions in Washington. I asked him to describe the bank and the new labor rules. So the World Bank is really kind of the foremost public multilateral institution dedicated to international development. And they currently describe their mission as ending poverty and promoting shared prosperity. In doing that, the World Bank provides over $30 billion in loans every year to fund development projects, giving them a very large footprint and a great deal of influence around the world. After many years of work by trade unions, the World Bank approved a labor safeguard or a labor standard in August 2016 that protects the rights of everyone who works on a project funded by the World Bank. The safeguards will go into effect later this year, meaning that the World Bank will join other development banks in taking proactive steps to protect project workers and respect labor rights more generally. First and foremost, this is necessary because the World Bank should ensure that the thousands of workers who execute their projects are treated fairly and provided with good jobs and decent, safe working conditions. If projects that are meant to improve lives and drive economic development are created by exploiting and abusing workers, then the mission of the World Bank is undermined from the start. Later this year in October, the annual meetings of the World Bank will be taking place in Bali in Indonesia. In 2004, a trade union survey found that a bank-funded infrastructure project in Bali included children working in hazardous conditions, pay discrimination based on gender, failure to make social security payments, and two workers who were killed on the job. So as the World Bank prepares to 
walk on the national the international stage in Bali, this sort of thing will be reduced by the labor safeguard and give workers a tool to fight back against rights violations. And I think finally it's necessary because we as, as a trade union movement are working to push the bank to support a future that is defined by development and by decent work. What sectors are most likely to be affected by these new rules, the safeguard as they're called? The biggest and most visible area where the World Bank is involved is in infrastructure, both development and upgrades to existing assets. So these are things like roads, water projects, facilities to produce or transmit electricity. That's the largest source of um, their funding, both because these are a priority and because they're quite expensive. But the World Bank also provides loans to governments for a wide range of projects, for example, expanding healthcare services, expanding public transportation, reforming government agencies, or promoting economic diversification, just to name a few areas. And this new labor safeguard is going to, going to apply to all workers employed on those projects, regardless of whether they work for the government borrower, most of the borrowers from the World Bank are governments, or for a private contractor. In many cases, governments borrowing from the World Bank will contract private companies to carry out key activities, and those private companies will be the largest employer on a bank-funded project. What will the safeguard do for workers employed on World Bank projects? This new labor safeguard will require occupational health and safety measures. It prohibits discrimination in hiring. It prohibits harassment on the job. It ensures that workers are provided with clear information about the terms of their employment. And it also protects the right to form a trade union, forbids forced and child labor, and takes particular steps to protect migrant workers, women, and other groups that are often targeted by discrimination and abuse in the workplace. It also requires a grievance process if a trade union has not already negotiated one and requires borrowers to monitor their supply chains for forced or child labor and major occupational health and safety risks. So this safeguard is a quite comprehensive document that is a binding requirement for taking a loan from the bank and sets out a number of steps that have to be taken by that borrower. The new rules warn against, and I quote, disguised employment relationships. What are disguised employment relationships? Between the approval of the labor safeguard in 2016 and today, when we're really on the eve of implementing the labor safeguard later this year, the World Bank has been training their staff and creating materials for borrower governments to better understand and implement the safeguards when that happens. This includes a recently released guidance note that provides more detail on the labor safeguard and brings up this issue of disguised employment. Disguised employment is any attempt to misclassify a worker. Common examples are falsely labeling someone as an independent contractor or self-employed worker. This is usually done by companies to avoid their responsibilities and deny their workers basic protections, even though these people who are misclassified are working long-term for that company and the way that they do their work is controlled by that company. So, for example, a company can avoid having to pay health care. They can avoid having to pay into unemployment systems and could avoid legal liability for workplace injuries. And this is something that's happening, unfortunately, in increasing number of cases in the world of work all over the globe, especially in construction and transportation, areas where the World Bank is quite active. So by taking a stand against disguised employment, the World Bank is helping to ensure that unscrupulous employers will not be able to sidestep the new labor safeguard by 
misclassifying or disguising their employment relationships. Are the core standards of the International Labor Organization included in the new rules? Almost all of the subjects of the core labor standards are addressed in the World Bank Labor Safeguards, but the core labor standards are not referenced by name in the document. This is due in part to resistance from World Bank management towards a whole manner of international human rights uh, agreements and frameworks, and is also likely because some governments push against inclusion of the core labor standards. When we look at the labor safeguards that exist at other multilateral development banks, such as the African Development Bank, those standards, those safeguards, begin by recognizing the core labor standards as underpinning and guiding their labor safeguard. But the World Bank stated that it would prefer not to refer to outside standards. We believe this is misguided and undermines the realization of basic worker rights for everyone, regardless of what country they live in. It also creates some weaknesses in the World Bank's labor safeguard. While some of the core labor standards are upheld completely, such as the prohibition of forced and child labor in all projects, in all cases, the right to form a union and collectively bargain is, and is subject to national law. And in many countries around the world, there are, of course, legal and practical restrictions on forming a union, which are not fully addressed by the World Bank safeguard. However, the recent guidance note created by the World Bank for borrowers explicitly names and explains the core labor standards, and this is a step towards filling that gap, hopefully in implementation. Will the new safeguard make a difference for workers employed in World Bank-funded projects? Absolutely. This standard will make a difference for a large number of workers by compelling, requiring governments who lend money from the World Bank to take steps to protect project workers. The safeguard has the potential to set an example of how human and trade union rights can be fully respected in places where there are often violations. And in a time when trade unions are facing increasing repression, this could be an important tool for workers to organize unions, improve their working conditions, and ensure that economic growth includes quality jobs. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. Hello, I'm Mark Belanger, the news producer at Radio Labor. We are on a union break until Monday, September 3rd, 2018. Now here, as a reminder of what it's all about, is Michael Roos with his take on Solidarity Forever. Yo, I've been hearing a lot of trash talk about unions Saying these ain't the friends to be choosing Out for themselves, not for others You might have heard unions ain't good for your health, brother Well, let me spit it for you, got something to say It's because of unions, we gotta aid our workday This ain't no commercial break, my friend Unions are the peeps who brought you the weekend Probably never think about it, la di da Unions fought hard for your right to party they're out there to ease your tension With decent wages, health care, and pensions Now it's like unions blamed for bad weather But tell me what's wrong with solidarity forever I wanna shout it on high, get it off my chest The story here is fighting for those who have less So when unions are bad guys in the propaganda war Think what they done, where they stand, who they fight for Okay, there's our weekly hit from Radio Labor outlining some <clears throat> new things from the World Bank. The World Bank is guaranteeing some worker rights, sort of, 
We'll have to see if that works in actuality or if it's just more paper. Okay? I want to play a couple songs now by one of my favorite bands, Las Cafeteras. La Bamba Rebelde.
next jam right here is called. Trabajador, trabajadora. It's a working people. Dedicate this to our parents, all the people worked that allowed for us to be here today. So, is it for you, Mama?
Let's make a miracle teach We into our elders for the truth And the courage you speak Ancestors whose hard work paved the way Into each one of you Out there doing labor today To our indigenous people and our creator too We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you So thank you Thank you Las cafeteras, el trabajador, trabajadora, dedicated to their parents and all the workers who made it possible for them to get where they got and be where they are. And I played their version of La Bamba. <coughs> they call it La Bamba Rebelde. <coughs> About the pride in being Chicano. And uh, before that, we had Marijuana Boogie. That was on the other side of radio labor. Uh, this is Labor and Love Radio coming at you from 2781 21st Street in the heart of the Mission District, El Mero Mero. This is the B. And... I want to say a few words about mutiny. Come on down to Mutiny Radio today, part of the big street fair here in the Mission. Be all comedy all afternoon. Actually not, starting at 12 with my buddy Scott Walker and his show Flat Black Plastic. After that, it's comedy from 2 to 6. Come on down. Mutiny Radio is a lot more than just a radio station. It's a community arts center. Come on down, see the art, get involved. Listen to some comedy. Get up and talk your own comedy. Get on the radio. We got a lot of open slots here for people who want to have a voice. Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street. I want to move on now to a couple of stories about schools. If you have anything to do with a young person in your area, in your house, or college student, or if you are one, this week and the weeks coming up mean you're going back to school. Well, that's a mixed blessing, huh? 
Stay in school. Be cool. Learn something. Learn to do something. The things you learn in school can never be taken away from you. Unless. Let's start out here with Enjoy the Weekend. Enjoy the Weekend presented by UESF, United Educators of San Francisco. In this issue, a warning. They're trying to privatize your schools by going through the union. The goal of this group called the Freedom Foundation, they want to get 50,000 people out of their unions, out of their teacher unions. A recent Janus Supreme Court case was long in the making and was the brainchild of a small network of billionaires. So they're going to be people coming to your door, knocking on the door, trying to get you to quit your union. And they'll tell you, oh, it's not. The union has to represent you. The recent Janus decision says that you don't have to pay any dues. So don't pay your dues. They still got to represent you. Which, of course, on the face of it is unfair. Costs money to go get a lawyer when your principal treats you like a dog. And they do, pardon me, I'm sorry. A lot of attention is paid to teachers and their shortcomings. But the real shortcomings in the school district and in many districts is the caliber of people who end up being principals. Remember this name. State Policy Network, SPN, 100 anti-union, anti-worker affiliates funded by the networks of billionaires whose goal is to defund and defang public sector labor unions. Unions like UASF and others are able to negotiate good contracts, ensure educators' voices and needs are heard on local, state, and national platforms. Here's Grover Nor Norquist talking about unions. This is the national, it's called the Freedom Foundation. This is how they work in their own words. March 8th, 2014, turning the blue second panel red. is a discussion of organized labor's power in this country. They raise maybe seven billion dollars a year in dues. Imagine how much they spend of that on politics. They are the largest political player in American politics and will be for some time. What can we do about it? The good news is that you have 24 states today with a Republican governor and both houses of the legislature are Republican. You have a shot at right to work in any of these states. As, as Vinny said, who would have guessed five years ago that Michigan or Wisconsin, just a few years after that, would be doing what they have done in the last year. So it can be done. We now have more activists at AFP in Wisconsin than the State Teachers Union and the Government Employee Union combined. Yeah. And that's what it takes.
by doing small reforms like paycheck protection, like dues checkoff, that eventually it would amass to a critical mass of worker freedom. And you passed it through the legislature? Okay, these people are talking about worker freedom, but what they mean is the freedom to defund unions, the freedom to be dominated by your executive, by your boss. They call it right to work, but what it is is right to be exploited. Right for someone to exploit you without a union, without any kind of collective action on your part. One of the tenets of the Labor and Love Show is that if you don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiating table, you're on the menu. So people will come by and tell you, yeah, you don't have to pay your dues anymore. The union still has to represent you. Well, if they have their way, there won't be any unions. How many teachers, how many of those anti-union teachers are willing to give back all the money that collective bargaining has gained for them? Hmm? When I first started teaching, I was making $800 a month. $800 a month. That was just 30 or so years ago. Without the union, where would I be? Where would all of us be, all of us teachers in UASF? Think about it. When they come to your door, tell them. The second education story that I want to get to before we get out of here is the Federación de Maestros de Puerto Rico planning a one-day strike to defend public education in Puerto Rico. And this is on the socialistworker.org. Last Monday was the first day of school in Puerto Rico, and it was a disorganized and chaotic disaster thanks to the government's cruel assault on public education. More than 250 public schools, many of them in excellent condition and with full enrollment, have been shut down over the objections of their communities. This is the nightmare of austerity, a nightmare of privatization. On Wednesday, educators will set a different tone with a one-day strike to save their schools. Now, as long as we can be isolated and we don't know about things like this happening, things can seem pretty hopeless. But as long as we keep in touch with labor movements all around the world and understand that every day, everywhere, People are taking action against unfair repression and domination by capitalism. And our labor history, which we're going to get to, I hope. Anyway, here we go. Eleven months after Hurricane Maria struck, there are signs everywhere of how a system with upside-down priorities made the natural disaster so much worse. Education is an especially clear example. This is right out of the playbook of disaster capitalism. A disaster strikes, the privatization people jump in with their charter schools and their, their uh, big bucks. They want to get more. They want to make it, make school 
a profit-making situation. A situation is gut-wrenching. Fully functioning schools with intact campuses and capable and loving school staff have been closed. And their students reassigned to new schools that, through no fault of their own, simply don't have space, capacity, supplies, and tools needed to begin instruction. One receiver school in Mayagüez, Mayagüez, La Escuela Manuele Barreto, opened on Monday with a section of the school still without a roof. Now there are good schools that are being closed, schools that are intact. Schools simply didn't start in many locations. The Department of Education has planned half-day instruction at some schools in order to accommodate large numbers of students. What can you do? You can contribute to the defense of public education in Puerto Rico by contributing to a fund organized by Federación de Maestros de Puerto Rico. Some 2,700 teachers were left unassigned at the start of the school year. Hundreds of teachers reassigned to new schools didn't have any space in which to work with children. Thousands of untenured teachers were subjected to humiliation and abuse, forced to wait for hours in the heat to take a required drug test. Anyway, it goes on and on. Check out the Socialist Worker website. The beat goes on, y'all. All we've got is... Working class history, working class present. Let's read a few of these. On this day, August 18, 1823, the Demerara Slave Revolt in modern-day Guyana saw over 10,000 slaves go from plantation to plantation, stealing ammunition, locking up their masters and putting them in stocks. On this day, 18 August 1942, German-Jewish communist anti-Nazi resistance fighter Mariana Baum was executed in prison in Berlin. She and her, her husband Herbert set up a resistance group and went underground, organizing demonstrations, leafleting, producing anti-Nazi pamphlets, firebombing, a Nazi anti-communist and anti-Semitic propaganda exhibition organized by none other than Joseph Goebbels. On this day, 1812, food riots broke out in Leeds and Sheffield, England, led by women. Nineteen oh six, August seventeenth, Kate Milani, laundry worker and strike leader, died at the age of 60. As a young woman, she founded the Collar Laundry Union. Goes on and on. We could read these all day long. Everywhere and every time, especially right now, people are standing up and resisting. On this day, 16 August 1935, 
Female workers at the Strutware Knitting Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota walked out on strike for pay increases, union recognition, and the reinstatement of eight fired union activists. Here's a famous one, the Peterloo Massacre, August 16, 1819. British cavalry charged into a crowd of between 60 and 80,000 working class workers, working class people demanding the right to vote. Peterloo Massacre, named after the Battle of Waterloo, which had just been won by the uh, English army. Okay, this is the B, and it's about time for us to get out of here. From Labor and Love. I just saw my buddy Scott Walker walk in. <laughs> and he'll be coming up right away with his show. Flat Black Plastic. Right now, let's go for some Willie Dixon. Our favorite draft resistor. You know, the blues speak of so many things. Making a kind of variety of the program. It requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about. This is the Labor and Love Show signing off for August when you 18th. Think about Remember, one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Remember, if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, you're on the menu when they come around and tell you how you should give up reconciliation. And do never but never let do. anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. When I say have labor, created miracles. I mean you. This is the bee signing off. But it don't make sense. I vita, by Solina. When we can't make peace. I, my soulmate. Soul everything mate. else. Wise men, great men. Music From will every save us. Music, in the world. unions, and music. Have all kinds of conventions and festivals. Spend all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have been making war. We wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't make sense when you can't make peace. Thank you.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Time and we're ready to groove in the mission for the 6th Annual Noise Pop Block Party. It's free, Saturday, August 18th from noon to 6 p.m. with bands Empress Of, Jeff Rosenstock, The Marias, The She's, Small Crush, The Total Bettys, and more. Come to Mutiny Radio for special programming all afternoon, including live comics, karaoke on the radio for donations, and interviews with main stage bands. Bring your family, friends, neighbors, and dogs on August 18th to benefit Mission Language and Vocational School and celebrate the peak of sunshine. For more info, check out the Noise Pop Block Party website at www.20thstreetblockparty.com. Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up a excellent mix of jazz latin gospel hip-hop and traditional folk ballads great stuff check it out labor and love is every saturday 10 a.m to 12 p.m serve somebody
my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty great, I'm sure. Um, we have a little announcement for you. A PSA of sorts. Yes. Uh, listen to Cowards every 10 a.m. to 11 on Mutiny Radio. On Fridays. Yay. For some sweet, scared storytelling. Please do it. We need you. (laughs) So badly. Yes. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) And all the kissing is kissing. What is... Flat black plastic. What could it be? It's exactly what you think it is. Flat black plastic. Vinyl. Records. Round. Played. Mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Walker. Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, Hey people, it's Flat Black Plastic Show on MutinyRadio.fm coming to you live, directly live from the Sunny Mission District where the 20th Street Block Party is going on. So if you know what's good for you, in your community, in your fun, come on down and have some and sing some karaoke. Hey, 